This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. I want to thank Craig Conroy for stopping by in the uh, first hour. Eric Francis as well. The headline story of the day, the Chris Tan of trade. He's now a member of the Dallas Stars. Brian Ray from the broadcast team there stops by at the bottom of the hour to get more on the, uh, the Dallas perspective. I don't think Dallas is done, by the way. Not by a long shot. Uh, you don't get this close to maybe winning the Stanley Cup and just be quiet after one trade. We'll see where this goes, though. Uh, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada joins me now. Hello, Fridge. Hey, Jeff. How you doing, bud? Uh, I'm doing good. Before we uh, get to the skate and the Coyotes, and there's one very specific person that I want to have a conversation with you about. And no, it's okay. not Matt Dumba, but uh, we'll get there in a couple of moments. Um, I have to ask you about the Tanev deal. Uh, from both sides here, like uh, from the Dallas Stars' point of view, this was their number one target, uh, right shot defenseman, um, someone that can log a lot of minutes and do Chris Tanev things, and they got Chris Tanev. Um, from the Calgary Flames' point of view, um, you know, I'm just talking to Craig Conroy. Uh, Grushnikov is, you know, someone that, uh, you know, was clearly in their sights. Uh, mm-hmm. Defensive defenseman, good penalty killer, young, uh, very physical. Uh, as his coach from junior, Jay McKee, will tell you, had him with, with Hamilton and has played a half a season with AHL Texas. Uh, how do you look at this from, from, both sides of the, from both sides of the fence, the Calgary side and the Dallas side? All right. I also do want to get to Patterson and Vancouver, too, after this. But, um, yes. For, you know, like I, I would say that uh, I, I would say this. The... We, I think we all kind of wondered about the first-round pick for the Flames. And, you know, yeah. I didn't listen to Conroy. I couldn't. But I've heard how much he liked that prospect, the young defenseman. And, look, Jeff, I'll be the first to admit, yeah. I don't watch a lot of these kids. I'd be lying if I said I really knew what this player was going to be. But the one thing I do know is that Calgary valued him more than a late first-rounder this year. And, you know, the people I really listen to about this stuff are yourself, Sam Cosentino, and Jason Bugala. And all of you guys have told me that after about 20, this draft really drops this year. It really drops. So I think that mm-hmm. part of what Calgary looked at was, and I do think Calgary asked about their big three prospects, uh, Bork, Stankoven, who's up sure. now, and Bischel. And I think they were told no. I believe Calgary, or Dallas made it very clear that they were not going to do any one of those three players. So Calgary looked at the next group, and, and they liked this player. And I think at the end of the day, the Calgary Flames, uh, they knew they were getting a second, and what was the other piece that they wanted to hold out for? And I think they valued this player over a first-round pick this year. For one, this player's closer to making it. He's got some AHL experience. You know, one of the big debates is if you don't score at the AHL level, you know, are you going to, or, or even at the junior level, he had one not bad year scoring-wise, how successful will you be in the NHL? Um, that's a debate for other people. I just know that uh, the Calgary Flames really felt that this player was much more valuable than a late first-rounder this year based on his development so far at the AHL level and what they'd already seen about him. The other thing it tells me is that the Flames really believe in the people who scout the Ontario Hockey League. That's two trades now. Yes. Um, one for, with obviously the Lindholm trade and this trade where the key prospect was an OHL player. So they obviously value whoever scouts there. 
And interestingly enough as well, they're both defensemen. So Hunter Verstavich yeah. is the other defenseman who plays with the Kitchener Rangers and now uh, Artem Grishnikov. So, I mean, you can see Craig Conroy, you know, very much of the mind that I need to redo this defense for the future. Uh, I mean, they they have their, their defensemen that are going to be there for a long time. But you see what, you know, the next wave of uh, the Calgary Flames defense could look like here. Now, I'm very firmly also, of the belief that this I want to get the other thing we should... We should mention there is if you look at yep. a lot of their best team prospects, guys like Poirier, they're offensive players. And I think they wanted to add somebody yes. with a bit of a, a, a different uh, a background there. I'm also curious now to see if Calgary adds a veteran defenseman uh, just to get through this the last stretch of the season. Um, you know, it's got to be mm. tough for a lot of those players today. They just came off two very impressive wins over Edmonton and L.A., they're not far out, and, yeah. you know, you, you see at the NHL roster, your team is not as good. You lose a very popular teammate, and I do wonder if the Flames are going to go out and add, uh, like, see if they can find mm-hmm. a relatively inexpensively priced uh, NHL defenseman in terms of what it would take to get them to add to their blue line. Uh, I do want to swing back on Calgary here in a couple of moments, um, and Noah Hannafin specifically, but one quick thought on, on Dallas, and then I want to move on to Elias Pettersson with Vancouver and what the latest there is. Um, I'm very firmly of the belief that Dallas is not done. Uh, I think that they probably want to make two more moves, might only be able to make one, uh, but one move that I look at and say, you know what, they have, you know, they have agility, they have mobility. What they need now is some hostility. On the back end, I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking Labushkin or Sealer or or someone like that. Agree, disagree? I just don't. Like, I, I was kind of wondering about that last night. I think it would depend on like they're really up against it. They needed New Jersey to help this one out. Uh, so it, yeah. I, to me, it, it's it's who you're taking off your roster because I think the other thing now too, Jeff, is that the way Stankoven's played, you can't send them back down right now. So that's another player who's on your roster. So I think to me the question becomes, um, like, who would they take out? And, you know, one of the conversations I had recently was about Ryan Suter. If you go back, well, first of all, as we talked, his game on Saturday was one of his best games of the year. But you go back to the first round last year in a really mean series against Minnesota, he was a difference maker in meanness. So, you know, Tanev being acquired pushes Suter down. I just wonder, like, who are you taking out of, out of the top six if, if you, or who are you moving out? Like, that's the, that's the question. I, I, I do think they would look for depth. I just wonder who you take out in the yeah. top six. Okay, uh, Elias Pettersson and the Vancouver Canucks. What do you hear? What do you know? Well, obviously, an incredibly wild week. Um, uh, no, <laughs> no question about it. I mean, it's, yep. uh, look... <laughs> there's no doubt they're talking like there's, there's no doubt that uh, conversations reignited this week. And it might've like, um, I believe that uh, Rick Dollawall has reported that it started Tuesday night after their game against Pittsburgh, that there were, that that, uh, basically it was decided that they were going to try again. I think that's the reason for, you know, like it was, it was like, it was really wild. I was at an event last night and, you know, the news broke and, um, like, you know, I've been following kind of a lot of the reaction. Like, there's nothing going on. There's nothing going on. All of a sudden, there's something going on. And I think it was because it, it really kickstarted again, uh, I'm, I'm probably as late as uh, Tuesday night, as, as Rick had indicated. Um, I, I think that it, it's 
the one thing here is I can't figure out yet how it got restarted. Did the Canucks go and say, we want to try this again? Or did Pedersen go and say, all right, let's do this? And that's, I haven't gotten it confirmed one way or the other, but it's a, it's a huge distinction because like, there are people who say, yes, this is going to get done. And there are people who say, mm-hmm. pump the brakes. We still have some things to work through here. I think this. I think, Jeff, that, you know, it's, it's very possible that, and I would believe likely, that on some level, the Canucks and Pedersen's reps have had conversations without him knowing, just in terms of if they got to a deal, what it could look like. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not unusual. That's not abnormal. There are players who say, um, you know, like, you do the business and you come to me when it's important. And there are teams and agents who say, look, right now, like a player like Pedersen might not be ready, but let's let's make sure we have an idea of what we're talking about in case he comes up to a day where he's ready. And um, so I think that's probably happened on some level. And I think they're working through it now. And. Um, you know, I think it, it mm-hmm. comes down to Pedersen. If, if, you know, if, if he's ready, I think they're going to throw, obviously, a ton of money at him, and we have to see what he has to say. But, you know, the, the thing is, too, is that I, I definitely believe there was a conversation. Like, I, I read Ian McIntyre's story yesterday. I, I spoke to Ian. Like, you, you saw Tockett's uh, comments yesterday. Um, uh, yep. I saw Tockett's comments yesterday. Like, this is weighing not only on Pedersen, but everyone there. It's like there's enough noise. What, what I reported uh, on the weekend, and, and I do believe there was a team out there that made an offer, uh, and, that, and the Canucks just said, we're not doing this right now. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I just think the noise got to be a lot. And one or the other went to the other and said, let's try this again. And there was there's an okay, and they're trying. And... I can tell you it's a very legitimate attempt. Like, this is not people just talking for the sake of talking. Like, I think everybody here is really trying to see if a deal can get done, and and, it, and we'll see yeah. where it goes. But, uh, look, I think for a long time now, as I said, I think the Canucks have been ready. I, I think the, the reps at CAA have been ready if, if they get the go-ahead to do it. And I just think, you know, it comes down. If, if Pedersen's ready, then, you know, here we go. Um but I, I think we're still kind of feeling our way through this. It's, I mean, look, again, I think it's very serious. I just wouldn't want to handicap it at this time. And not because I don't believe it's yeah. going to happen. It's just that right now, as I sit here talking to you at 10, 15 Pacific time, uh, I, I, don't, I just don't know if it's going to happen or not. Uh, I tend to use Occam's razor in situations like this, and and this is this is how I again this is how I wonder if it if it went down. Uh, so maybe something as simple as you know, did the Vancouver someone from the Vancouver Canucks, I don't know, Rutherford, Alvin, take your pick, someone maybe someone else, I don't know, go to Patterson and say, you know, this is really noisy, this is really distracting. It's not helping that we're going through our first big speed wobble of the season. Um, and this is, you know, uh, we all know how, and it's not exclusive to Vancouver. This isn't a shot at Vancouver. It's, it's any Canadian market that would have gone through this probably would have reacted the same way. Um, this is becoming too big of a story. Um, will you let us at least talk about a contract 
with your representation. And I wonder if then Patterson said something along the lines of, well, sure, you can talk to them. But I, again, like I always go, like many of us, Elliot, you may find this humorous, but it's true. We go back to that conversation you had in Stockholm on the boat with Patterson. And I keep going back to that and how he spoke and what he spoke about. But I just wonder if it's as simple as someone asked him, hey, this is getting out of hand here. Can we at least talk to your representation? And Pedersen said, sure, if you think it'll dial things down a little bit. I don't know. Again, Occam's razor. Maybe I'm being overly simplistic. That's what I wonder about. But do you think, out of all of that little preamble, that maybe this little sort of mini losing streak here, this skid, whatever, controlled fire that Vancouver is going through, sort of heightened the urgency of this? Well, first of all, just about the scenario presented there, I have heard that version, but I've also heard the other version. And one of the big challenges of this time of the year is there's so much out there, and it's hard sometimes to tell which is the correct one. And the other thing, too, is I don't like to throw junk on other people's reporting if I can avoid it. I know what it's like. I don't like it when it happens to me, so I don't like it to do, do it anywhere else. I'm just saying that right now, they're, like I, what you said has been told me by people I would believe uh, would would know the truth, but I've also had other people tell me that they got a sense that Pedersen initiated this, and they are people who generally tell me the truth. It just shows you what craziness there is at this time of year. So I think that I'm going to stick here to what I know, which is that they're talking. It's serious. Yeah. And, but, like, you know, the thing is, yesterday, like, if you watch what Pocket said and you, and you listen to what Patterson talked about with Ian McIntyre and his great story on the website, like, it doesn't yep. sound like, it sounds like a guy who's, like, feeling it. And I think the other thing, too, is the organization's feeling it and the other players are feeling it. It's just around them. Like, you know how that all works. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like a guy who was necessarily saying he changed his mind. But, again, like, we're all ticking and grasping a little bit here. Like I said, what I can tell you honestly is that the two, the two sides were re-engaged. As, and it could have been – I don't think it really happened until – Tuesday night, yesterday, and you know it's 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 just crazy. Like you go back, like I listened to a lot of the radio hits over the last um, uh, twenty four hours, and I, I looked at some yep. of the stuff I was trying to write, and it's just hilarious how much things change at this time of year. But <laughs> look, I think both sides are honestly trying, and um, I I know that people are hoping that they can get it done, um, but like. Yep. I, uh, d- depending on who you speak to, there's varying levels of, um, like, nobody's pessimistic. People are just aren't sure. Yep. That's, what I, that's what I would say. Okay. Uh, we'll leave it there, knowing there'll be a different story in five minutes. Uh, so we'll see if we can circle back on this before the end of this hit. Now, um, back, to, back to Tanev, but by extension, Tanev, Hannafin. Now that Chris Tanev has gone, and you could make the argument that in some, I don't want to use uppercase, but lowercase, 
here. Yeah. Um, market setting has gone on with the with the tandem yeah. compensation. Do we do we start to see a run on on defensemen? Like I'm not saying that all of a sudden you know the Maple Leafs lost out on Tanev and so they got to they got to double down their efforts, or Vancouver lost out on Tanev and they've got to double down, or whomever else was in the sweepstakes for Tanev and now they got to double down, so they have a seat when the music stops. But do you, do you see this as maybe the beginning of a run on blue liners? Well, I think the, the one thing that happens here is um, uh, I, I think the one thing that does happen here, uh, uh, Jeff, is that, you know, Tanev, I think for a lot of people, was the top right-handed guy available as a rental. And um, like Hannafin's a lefty, right? So it's 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 not yep. the same. Um, since, he, since he's a righty, um, you know, it, it, he doesn't fit into the exact same box as 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 uh, as Hannafin as Hannafin does. So it's a little bit right. different. Um, I do think now on Tanov, like I think for Dallas, Tanov was their number one guy, and they were going to do as yep. much as they could to make sure they got him. And now we'll see. Like I think Toronto. Uh, I think all those other teams are looking for right-hand D, and Toronto's one of them. Now I think they've got to go somewhere else and refocus. Like, is it is it David Savard? Is it Nick Jensen? Uh, that's a name I think that the Maple Leafs have kicked around uh, a little bit. Like, who is that next? Yeah. Is it Labuskin? Who they know? Like, everybody there knows Labuskin. Like, who is going to be that player who they look at and Joel say, Edmondson. that's our next Joel. Well, one thing about Edmondson is, even though, and I, I, I have heard his name too, Edmondson is a left shot. Now he's played the right side, but he's a, he's a left shot. So I'm not as, like, Toronto already has that. So um, I think that that's one of the questions that I kind of have here. I think everybody's looking and saying, okay, who's that next like who's that next righty on your list? And, I, and there's a lot of options. Everybody knows who they are, but those are some of the names that Toronto's yeah. going to kick around. Like the price for Savard, who's indicated he does not want to be traded from Montreal, and Montreal has made it very clear, like we don't have to do anything here. You guys have to make us do it. Yep. And uh, so, like the price is going to be higher for Savard than it's going to be for some of those other guys. But what Toronto has to do now is figure out who's their guy, who's their next target and those are some of the players that they've been looking at now, I tried to go on a little canoe ride with uh, with Craig Conway around Noah Hannafin, but he wasn't having it, and he wasn't biting on that at, at yeah. all. But I can go on that canoe ride with you. What's the yes, marketplace like lo- for I Noah like Hannafin? Uh, <laughs> you and me, boy, you're a camp counselor, you know. Yeah, I love I, a good solo late at night with the sun going down. Like, that's a, that's a nice, uh, quiet night on the lake. I, I Good memories, Jeff. Good, uh, good memories. All right. Um, uh, okay, you know, so you're you're in you're Lake 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 Muskoka. We're going for a canoe ride. What is as you're closing your eyes as the sun is setting, and I know you like smoking a cigar, and maybe you have one in your yeah. mouth, and you're thinking about Noah Hannafin. What is the marketplace in a very relaxed Zen atmosphere for Elliot Friedman? I've got to tell you, if I'm if I'm canoeing with a cigar, I'm not thinking about Joel Edmondson. I'm going to say that. Let me just say that for the record. <laughs> um, very good. Uh, uh, like I would say this that. Um, I think it's higher than Tanner. I do. Um, I think course, the yeah. other thing. I think the other thing that is a factor here is does Hannafin come with an extension? 
And, uh, like, that's been a tougher one to figure out. But if if Calgary is willing to allow that, um, obviously, if you can trade a player with an extension, the price should go up. And, like, like, like all this Tampa Bay noise, I believe it. Like, I, I do believe mm-hmm. that Tampa Bay would love to have a guy like Noah Hannafin. I just don't know how we get from here to there. But I think, uh, I, you know, like, yeah. you know, like teams like Tampa Bay, Florida, Boston. Um, you know who else I've actually wondered for them is Washington. Uh, I have wondered if, uh, like, Washington mm-hmm. as a team that I, I've kind of wondered if they, like, you know, like is Washington is starting to do a bit of a rejig here. Like that's a team. I, I think it might make some sense that to put in a younger, a good young defenseman there. So like, those are the kinds of teams I wonder about. And the other thing I wonder about here is does Calgary allow teams to extend them? Because if the answer is yes, the price gets even higher. For sure. Um, you know, one of the things that I'd mentioned last night on the uh, the Oilers-Blues game was the idea of the Nashville Predators, who are going to have around $8 million worth of cap space at the deadline. And um, it, it sounds very much as if Barry Trotz is happy to weaponize that cap space. Um, yes. They'll take a pick. They'll take players. They'll, t- they'll take whatever. You know, I, I, I do wonder about the Edmonton Oilers, but they don't have a ton of players on expiring deals. But how, how frisky do you think Nashville is going to be at deadline, knowing that as of right now, they're in the playoffs, so I don't think anything's going to happen with Soros unless someone absolutely knocks their socks off of them. I think uh, Tommy Novak, is, unless he signs an extension, uh, is available. But how frisky do you think the Preds are with both players and weaponizing the cap space here? Well, you know, Barry Trotz has made it very clear in a number of his interviews lately that you know he's not selling off if they're in the race. And, and right now, they're—I mean—a huge game tonight. They're playing Minnesota, and you know, the, the yeah. credit to them. Like they've done a great job. Like, I, like one of the things that happened was you know the Leafs the other night they lose that game to uh, Vegas. It's kind of like the first game back after the road trip. You know, Nashville first game back after a road trip, and they wiped out Ottawa. So. Like that's that's a team that's really uh, on, and um, so I, like I, like no like Saros they can hold on to and they can punt that one in the summer if they want to, um, but to me like yep. the other thing too is they had guys like they had a lot of guys out there like Carrier, Fabro, Trenin, Novak as you mentioned. Um, Novak to yep. me is a bit of a unique case because I just think that he's going to be to what he makes and what he can do. I, like a guy who's that talented at 800k, you can probably do very well for that. So I, I got to think that that's the one guy. If he's not signed, they might have no choice but to move. And Trotz has kind of hinted that. I think as long as they're in the race, they might just hold on to to everybody else. Mm-hmm. But oh, in terms okay, of um, using their caps, in terms of weaponizing their caps, yes, Americano. Yeah, um, I'm ordering coffee here, as you can tell. Um, in terms of using the cash plays, look, <laughs> New Jersey did it yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Chicago's always yes. willing to do it. Nashville's willing to do it. And the issue with Nashville, though, is they have two of their three salary slots used up. So they don't want to go to the full yeah. three if they don't have to. 
Right. Uh, okay, let me get to Arizona here. And there's there's one player that I want to get to, and it's not Matt Dumba, although I do want to talk about Matt Dumba. And that is, yep. you know, we look around uh, the Arizona Coyotes, and, like, there's sellers, obviously, come trade deadline time, and they always they have been for a while as they're picking up prospects and picks. And we all know about the yep. off-season, or the off-ice drama involved with the Arizona Coyotes. We'll see what happens there. But yeah. I want to ask you about Nick Schmaltz. I want to ask you about Nick Schmaltz. And Nick Schmaltz specifically because, you know, next year, even though the cap hit is, is 5.85, the money really grows next year that you're actually paying. Next year is 8.45 and then 8.5 for Nick Schmaltz. Like when the deal was originally done, I think it looked to everybody like, okay, by the end of this, Arizona is going to have probably moved him because they don't want to be paying more for what the cap hit actually is. Is there much discussion, noise, whatever, around Nick Schmaltz? I haven't heard as much, but that doesn't mean anything. Uh, like I, One thing I did hear was I did hear that last year there was a deal that was close with him. I've always tried to figure out the team. Okay. I thought it was Carolina. People told me that wasn't necessarily the case, so I've kind of backed away mm-hmm. from that one. Um, uh, but I do believe that, uh, like there was a deal that was pretty close last year. I've been told that on good authority. I just haven't figured out the team. Um, look, I, I think there's, there's a lot going on there. I mean, uh, uh, you know, like, I don't want to talk, like one of the things that's tough is, you know, you see the players today, you go say hi, by the way, Keller's not playing tonight, but he's just says it's not going to be long term, yeah, but, um, you know, yeah. like it, it's kind of tough to have these conversations, uh, in a dressing room with a lot of people around. But <laughs> I, I think one of the things that is definitely happening is, look, they've got their guys out there. They've got Dumba out there. They've got um, uh, Troy Stetcher, who I saw today. He's out there. They've got they've got players out there. And I think there's other guys with, with term. Like, I've heard there's some teams that really asked them about Jostad. I think one of the challenges for the Coyotes yeah. is that it's clear talking to them, Jeff. They don't know what's going to happen, and they're they're a bit mm-hmm. in the dark. But you know, one of, like everybody knows that there's a chance they could be in Utah next year. I think one of the things that they kind of have to balance is, you know, is like what like how do the players feel about that? Are they going to be okay saying, "Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to go to Utah," or "I'm just happy the craziness is over and I'm still in the NHL," or? If we're back right. in Arizona again next year, am I going to be want to be part of that? Or, you know what, I'm happy in Arizona. If I have a choice, I'd rather go somewhere else if we move. And I think that's part of the challenge here. But I haven't heard Schmoltz's name specifically. That doesn't mean anything, though. There's stuff mm-hmm. I miss uh, this year at all times. Boston Bruins, uh, the goalie market, Lena Solomark, we've talked about it before. I do believe there's also some, I don't know what the level of interest is, but uh, some interest in Sean Walker uh, of the Philadelphia Flyers with, uh, with Sweeney in Boston there. Anything new that you've heard on, anything new you've heard on the Bruins? Well, the one thing I've really heard about them and other teams is for the teams that have the goalies, like Calgary and Nashville and, uh, and Boston, yeah. And I still do think Boston is trying to extend Swayman. Um, the, the question is, when's the right time to move your goalie? And that's why I think Allmark's name is out there. It's like, when is the right time? When can we strike? When do we get our best? Uh, when do we get our best answer? But like, you know, like I saw today, there was a story with Matt Grizzlick. He was talking about how he's 
not feeling very comfortable right now because his contract's up and there's been no talks. And I understand how a player would yeah. feel that way. And I, I think that the same thing like, uh, like, like Jake DeBrusque is another guy. I don't know what the – I really try to stay away from Jake DeBrusque's yeah. contract talks because his dad works with us. But you can see how, you know, people, you know, uh, you can see how it makes people nervous. And I think the thing is, too, is and yeah. that I do think that that's kind of known, is that if Boston's going to improve, it's going to come from the roster. And I think everybody knows that and everybody sees that. Uh, real quick, before I let you go, Arizona and Toronto skates, anything notable to take away? I see Sheldon Keefe was fined $25,000. Um, and Matt Dumba Granada, mentioned that the Maple Leafs were one of the team. Yes, I yeah. know, right? Yeah, uh, so Buffalo's interesting. Uh, Tuesday was a big night for foul language behind the bench. Uh, you know, like... Know, uh, specific in the Atlantic Division. Uh, jo- Joseph Wall is the, is the big news tonight. First appearance since December 7th. So that's uh, yeah. that's going to be one that we're all... And now, they they were very careful with the language. He, they're, they're planning for him to start tonight. So they left it open in case anything happens this afternoon. Hopefully not. Hopefully he will play. And, um, you know, we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Like I said, Minnesota, Arizona, Keller not playing tonight, but uh, he's, um, he said not too long. You know, with Dumba, uh, I think we reported back then, they were very interested in Dumba, the Maple Leafs were, but his price point yeah. was higher than Klingberg's and significantly higher. Like, I think a million to a million and a bit higher, and that's why they ended up with Klingberg instead of Dumba. Gotcha. Uh, and we'll see what happens with Dumba come trade deadline next Friday. Okay, great stuff as always. We'll uh, watch, watch for you on television. And then afterwards, when you're done, uh, do another podcast for tomorrow morning. Thanks, Reach. Talk soon. Take care, bud.